So I started writing because I wanted to maybe explore a sense of fear inside me. For example, during 2008, um, I was always scared of being in a position where I couldn't, for example, move or where I would be, for example, trapped under rubble, etc. This is Gaza Up Close, a podcast by Gisha about what happens when two million people are denied the basic right to freedom of movement. I'm Leetal Firestone. That was Luan Yadi, who works at a leading mental health NGO in the Strip. And I wrote in English because I wanted more people to see that experience. Um, not just um, people here who mostly know about this experience. Um, and later I, I wrote about my personal experiences because because I know that a lot of people don't know what exactly we go through, not just on the narrative level, um, but on the emotional and psychological level. She described to me the anxiety of sitting through an exchange of rocket fire and airstrikes between Hamas and Israel. Rawan told me that the way she copes with this fear is by sharing her experiences online with people outside of Gaza. I think activism and writing are both very personal. And when you're, when you're an activist or when you're fighting for something, it, it has to be personal because you believe in it. And a lot of the time you live it. She said the power of a personal story is that it transcends the barrier of a screen. People are often like bombed with news about numbers and explosions and statistics and stuff like that. And um, you rarely get our voice there. And uh, our voice is not just the voice that is demanding equal rights. It's also um, a voice that has been through a lot and is going through a lot. Rowan said using online tools to share her experiences is one of the few ways Gaza residents can advocate for their human rights internationally, since most people are not permitted to travel outside the Strip. Only Gaza residents who meet Israel's stringent criteria for movement to and from the Strip are eligible to submit a request to receive an exit permit, which is not always granted. Under current conditions, people are only allowed to visit family outside Gaza if they are first-degree relatives who are getting married or are dying or deceased. People who engage in trade can apply for permits, but the vast majority of those who get them are men. Medical patients in need of life-saving care can apply for permits only if the care they need isn't available in the Strip. While Lawan and other activists in Gaza use their platforms to advocate for freedom of movement, Policy change is crucial to granting Gaza residents the freedom they deserve. I asked some of Gisha's staff to highlight what measures can be taken immediately until a broader solution is reached to give Gaza residents access to higher education and employment opportunities. I spoke with one of Gisha's intake coordinators, Umnia Zouabi, who helped students receive permits for study abroad. She told me that to address the issue of access to higher education in the West Bank, 
which we spoke about in the first episode. The Israeli authorities must remove the sweeping ban on movement from Gaza to the West Bank for academic study. This requires examining all individuals' applications to study at West Bank universities. As a first step, Israel could apply the criteria for travel from the West Bank to study at universities in Israel to students from Gaza wishing to study at West Bank universities. For example, in cases where the applicant wishes to enroll in academic programs not offered by Gaza universities. Next, I spoke with Gisha's research coordinator, Hala Abdelhadi, about how to ease the pressure on the job market in Gaza and allow more women to pursue career opportunities there. She told me that Israel should grant permits for laborers to enter Israel. Since 2014, Israeli officials have been discussing quotas of between five to 6,000 laborers' permits. But these quotas have never been filled. These quotas need to be filled to, ca- to capacity, if not expanded or, re- or removed altogether. Allowing laborers from Gaza to work in Israel will then open up job opportunities for women inside Gaza. Finally, I asked Gisha's international media coordinator, Miriam Marmou, how Gaza can achieve a functioning, thriving economy. She said, Well, any economy depends on a wide variety of businesses and different skills of production. So in order for Gaza to thrive, Israel has to change the criteria for granting trader permits so that people that are engaged in small-scale export and import can also obtain permits. This would allow people to expand their business activity and contribute to Gaza's economy um, overall. Also, information on the process of applying for a permit has to be made more accessible to all Gaza residents. In the absence of movement of people between Gaza and the West Bank or abroad for business and trade, there is no chance of economic recovery for Gaza, which is central to a stable future for the entire region. Israel must recognize the legitimate needs of businesswomen, students, and women working in civil society organizations in Gaza and allow them to travel abroad and between the two parts of the Palestinian territory. These are only some of the actions that could be taken immediately to ease access restrictions in Gaza and allow students, women, and all Gaza residents the opportunity to pursue their dreams and live in dignity. Thank you for listening to Gaza Up Close.